trying to live on unemployment with two kids, you know, a family of four. It's been very difficult. Welcome to Planet Money. I'm Zoe Chase. And I'm Caitlin Kenny. Today is Friday, September 16th, and that was Chris Hansel you heard at the top. Today on the show, the unemployment rate is high all over. In Spain, it's 21%. In Portugal, it's 12.5%. And in the U.S., it's hovered around 9% for more than two years. But there is one country that's bucking the trend. Their economy is growing. Their unemployment rate is low. Germany. Their unemployment rate is 6% and declining. We spent a week in Germany learning their secret recipe, how they did this. And today, we'll reveal it to you. But first, the Planet Money Indicator from Jacob Goldstein. Today's Planet Money Indicator, unlimited. The European Central Bank, just yesterday, they rolled out this new program that will offer essentially unlimited loans to European banks for the next few months. This was a big announcement. It was made with the backing of the Federal Reserve in the U.S. and and other central banks around the world. And the ECB did this in order to fight this slow-motion, largely invisible bank run that's been going on in European banks for the past few months now. And this bank run, Jacob, it's happening basically because Europe's big banks, they've loaned lots of money to Greece and the other European countries that are now in trouble. And a lot of the big investors who have loaned money to European banks are getting worried. They're afraid they won't get their money back from the banks if Greece doesn't pay its debt. So these investors, they've been pulling hundreds of billions of dollars out of the banks, and it's been causing huge problems for the banks. Exactly. So these investors pulling their money out of the European banks, this is the slow motion bank run. And what the European Central Bank did yesterday was it said to the banks, we'll lend you enough money to make up the difference. Now, these are short term loans and the whole program is set up to only run for about six months. So so this program, it does solve the immediate problem, this this bank run we've been seeing. But of course, it does not solve the deeper problem, which is the fact that European banks loaned lots lots of money to countries that may not be able to pay the money back. And until that problem is solved, until Europe really figures out what to do about its debt crisis, how to solve it ultimately, until then, European banks are going to need this life support from the central bank. Okay. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, guys. Okay. On to the podcast in Germany. Sure, Germany is the big man on the campus of Europe. The country's unemployment rate is 6.1%. Its economy is growing. It's selling a lot of goods to the rest of the world. But it wasn't always this way. Ten years ago, Germany was not that guy. Germany was sickly, pale, and weak. Germany's story of transformation starts in 2002. There was a global recession on, and Germany was suffering. It was really similar to the situation in the United States right now. GDP growth was zero. Zip, zilch, nothing. Unemployment was 8.4% and climbing. Germany was not the strong man of Europe. They were in trouble and they needed help. So the top man in Germany, Gerhard Schroeder, the German chancellor, he made an emergency call. I was actually surprised when I got the call. And Mr. Schroeder left me very little time to make a decision as to whether I would actually head that uh, commission. This is Dr. Peter Hart speaking through a translator. He was the human resources director at Volkswagen. Now, the HR director might seem like a strange guy to call at a time like this, but he wasn't just an HR director. First off, he was an economist. Second, Schroeder knew him personally. They'd served on Volkswagen's board together. And perhaps most importantly, he'd made a name for himself as the guy who could reduce unemployment. 
At Volkswagen, he'd negotiated a new plan with the unions. They gave up some concessions, and in return, Hartz told them it would make it easier for Volkswagen to hire people. And it did, at Volkswagen's headquarters in the city of Wolfsburg. On the occasion of the 60th anniversary of the founding of the city of Wolfsburg, we made a gift to the city, which was to reduce unemployment in the city by 50%. And we actually did implement this plan. He reduced that city's unemployment rate by half. And now the German chancellor, Gerhard Schroeder, was telling him, do what you did for Wolfsburg for the entire country. The two friends, Hartz and Schroeder, assembled their team. Three union members, some politicians, some academics. The name of this gang of superheroes, this A-team, the Commission for Modern Services on the Labor Market. You know, everyone just called it the Hartz Commission. As Peter Hartz saw it, there were two main ways Germany could bring down the unemployment rate and make life better for German workers. One, make it a lot easier for German workers to be fired. Normally, employers in Germany, companies, are very careful about hiring new people because the people that they hire have a very high level of protection job protection. And we saw that companies would indeed hire more people if uh, they were able to take on additional people for temporary jobs, for smaller jobs. It seems like a strange thing that in order to fix the problem of unemployment, to help workers get jobs, you need to make it easier to get rid of workers. But if companies can't shed workers when times are tough, that can make them reluctant to hire when things are going well. They won't expand if they can't contract. Exactly. And this was a huge, huge problem in Germany. The words everyone used to describe Germany's economy at the beginning of the decade, inflexible labor market. What this means in practice is that workers had protections that were sort of unimaginable here in the U.S. The way the labor rules were constructed in Germany, it was really hard to fire people. And if you did get fired, the government would pay for you to sue your employer. They would give you money to take them to court. Essentially, it was a nightmare for employers who wanted to fire people. But if you did somehow manage to get fired, compared to a lot of other places, life was pretty sweet. Workers got 50 percent or more of their last salary for life. Peter Hartz. I wouldn't say it was uh, too generous. But what people did was that they made use of the benefits permanently. It was meant, meant to be temporary or short-term, but people ultimately made permanent use of them. So this was the second big recommendation, cut unemployment benefits. So that was it. That was the plan. Reduce job protections and reduce unemployment benefits. Fundamentally flip around the social protections that Germans had come to expect for decades. Chancellor Schroeder must have looked at that and thought, wow, that's an awesome platform to run on. I promise to take away your benefits and make it easier for you to get fired. Vote for me. The thing is, in Germany, that's exactly what they did. All 15 members of the commission signed off on the plan, including the unions. Remember, three representatives from three different unions were on this commission, and they all voted for this. Over the next couple of years, Chancellor Schroeder pushed the reforms through Parliament. The unemployment changes went into effect in 2005. Within the year, Chancellor Schroeder's party lost power, and he was out of a job. But the reforms did exactly what the commission had promised. They wanted to bring down the unemployment rate, 
They did. After spiking initially to 10 percent, it dropped dramatically, and it's still dropping. The hearts reforms, people say, worked. And I wanted to see how exactly they're working. So I went to this factory in Germany that produces steel tanks. It's in Neuropin, a town about an hour outside of Berlin. It's sort of this mix between very high-tech and very low-tech. In one corner, you've got guys using welding tools on huge pieces of steel. And then in other places, guys stand by computer screens where they input commands. I almost got hit by sparks when I leaned in to get the sound of one of these machines. The company has been owned by Thomas Hu's family for decades, and he says the main benefit he gets from the reforms is this totally new concept, something called a mini-job. Hu says the mini-job solved a problem for him, a problem he used to have if a big order came in and he needed more help. It's not possible to give everybody uh, full-time jobs. A mini-job means I haven't uh, enough to do for a full worker, but I, I need a, a worker for, for several hours or so. Before the Hearts Commission, it was really hard to hire a worker like this, someone just to come in for a couple of hours. But with these reforms and the creation of the mini-job, he can do that. A mini-job isn't that great of a deal for workers. In these jobs, the maximum they can make is 400 euros a month. But they get to keep it all. They don't pay any taxes on the money they make. As far as the hours, that's a total negotiation between employer and employee. They can work as many or as few hours as they both agree to. Well, I mean, that reminds me of something. In America, we have those. We call them jobs, right? Not a great job, a low-wage, part-time, I-could-fire-you-at-any-time job, but that's a job. Right, exactly. But there weren't many jobs like this in Germany before, and now there's lots of them. And it's different in in two ways. One is that German workers who work at these jobs are more likely to have health insurance. But they also get paid a maximum of 400 euros per month. There's no minimum wage in Germany. So for those 400 euros a month, they could be working 40 hours a week. That's 2.5 euros per hour. That's nothing compared to minimum wage here in America. But the idea is to give a chance for the employer and the employee to test each other out. It gives the employer an incentive to take a risk on someone that they might not normally hire because they know it's not a permanent thing. So it's basically a way to do something that employees and employers didn't used to be able to do in Germany, which is date. You see, uh, during this uh, time or during this month, these months, that these people do a very good job. That is also uh, then the possibility for him or for her uh, to get a new job in our firm. And you have people like that now, people who started doing temporary work and now have full-time positions? Yeah, sure. Yeah. How many? Uh, one at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hu said he's hired at least 10 people for mini-jobs at various times in the last two years, but only one of them has turned into a permanent employee. All right, so on the whole, when it comes to the Hearts reforms, employers, they like them. But for the workers, it's more of a mixed bag. I talked to this one woman who has two mini jobs. She said she likes them. They give her flexible hours and she can take care of her husband who's sick. And I met another woman who was out of the labor force for 20 years. And she just got back in with a mini job at a wine shop. She says it gave her self-confidence and it led to a part-time job. Now she's making more money. But when you talk to German workers about the heart reforms, the attitude can be summed up like this. <laughs> this is Monica Carabin. I found her outside the German equivalent of the unemployment office. She's employed now, but she's registering for unemployment in case she gets laid off. 
and about 50% of the rest of Germany feels like her, according to a recent poll. They think the new benefits are not enough to live on. Here's what you get when you're laid off. If you're out of work for more than a year, you get 364 euros a month, subsidized rent and electric, and a job counselor. But they can also cut your benefits back if they don't think you're looking hard enough for work, or they can punish you if you refuse a job they think you should take. Karabin sees these reforms as totally unfair. Before they went into effect, her unemployment benefits would have been higher. They would have lasted longer. And she wouldn't have people harassing her all the time to take a job she didn't want. I am upset. There, there are recipients who have been drawing this benefit for 20 years, and um, they, they have a good life. And somebody like me who comes in now, we get little money, and we have to give the receipts for everything that we give out. And um, this, uh, this is not worthy of a human being. Proponents of hearts would respond to that by saying, sure, that's low, but it will encourage you to go out and take any job you can. And check it out, the employment rate is lower. This is obviously working. But I ran into this one guy who'd just gotten a job, Frank Berman. He was at a bar celebrating. He'd been out of work for a decade, and he'd just gotten a job a week earlier. He's basically like a poster child of these reforms. He was long-term unemployed, and now he has a job. So I asked him. Are you a fan of the Hartz reforms? Are you, do you like the laws that came into place that set up this system that introduced you to this job? Actually, I have to say no, because um, I, I, I prefer the old system. Why does he prefer the old system? It's a pretty simple reason. Under the old system, he would have gotten more money when he was unemployed. He represents the flip side of the Hartz reforms. And people are much more likely to blame Peter Hartz for cutting back benefits and driving down wages than to thank Hartz for saving the economy and reducing unemployment. So we asked Peter Hartz, how does it feel to be the personification of these reforms, to bear the name of the drastic changes to the economy? That's Actually, it was terrible. Um, at the very beginning of the work of our commission, we made a mistake. Uh, the problem was that the name of the commission was too long. <clears throat> and since journalists don't like long names, they had to come up with a short one. And they took the name of the chairman of the commission. Uh, if my name had been Leuthäuser Schnanberger, the name of a prominent politician in Germany, if my name had been Leuthäuser Schnanberger, they wouldn't have called it uh, uh, Leuthäuser Schnanberger Commission. They would have come up with another name. For instance, we should have called it the Job Commission. And to be fair, there are lots of other reasons people are mad at Peter Hertz. His legacy is controversial. He was convicted of paying off union leaders at Volkswagen to go along with his cutbacks. And he was accused of spending company money on prostitutes. You could look at the reforms as too harsh. You could also see them as a reality check, as Hartz does. If nothing had changed in Germany, the trade-off would have been high wages for people who had jobs, increasingly high unemployment for everyone else. He says Germans needed to come to grips with the new reality. In Germany, we redefined the concept that we call reasonable expectations. Reasonable expectations for unemployed people. Think about the context that Germany is in right at this moment, the European context. Germany is the Superman, the hero that the rest of Europe's been waiting for. But the Superman isn't feeling in a very rescuey mood right now. 
They just went through a very painful process, and it's still painful. Germans don't necessarily want to send their money to other countries who haven't made the same sacrifices. More on how that drama is playing out in a future podcast. So We want to know what you thought of today's show. You can email us, planetmoney at npr.org, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Caitlin Kenny. And I'm Zoe Chase. Thanks for listening. And the bills say-